welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. It's Wednesday, September 13th, 2023, and Dr. Rick and I are coming to you from our podcast studios here in Birmingham, Alabama, and today we are delighted to be joined by Jennifer Travis and Claire Davis, uh, two wonderful ladies on our domestic team, uh, working in domestic adoption and education. But these ladies also have so much experience as adoptive moms. Uh, Jennifer has led our foster team uh, in the past with such diligence and efficiency and excellence. Uh, Claire leads our domestic adoption team and those uh, ladies who are working on uh, the domestic adoption side, loving on parents, preparing them for adoption but also helping them understand the nuances of the birth mother. And so today what we really wanted to do is bring these ladies in here and talk about milestones of adoption. What what does that mean? What does that look like? How do we how do we support our kids uh, through those milestones of adoption. And before we bring these ladies on and before we talk to the venerable Dr. Rick, I do want to tell you about our new international program, which is in the Philippines. We're excited to announce that we are officially accredited and rolling out a new international adoption program in the Philippines. We have been participating in intercountry adoption as an organization for over 30 years. And the Philippines has been one of those countries that we have continually sought after. They have been participating as well in intercountry adoption for over 50 years and have a very streamlined process. We will be advocating for children six years and up, sibling groups and children with moderate medical needs, uh, either orthopedic, Uh, or medical or other types of needs. Lifeline will be offering a $1,000 Hope Adoption Fund scholarship for all families applying to the program during the month of September. And so you have 17 days left to take advantage of this $1,000 Hope Adoption Fund scholarship to be one of those pilot programs for Lifeline's Philippine programs. You can connect with us always by going to the show notes and finding the direct link or the dashes back, you can go to lifelinechild.org backslash international dash adoption. Again, that's lifelinechild.org backslash international dash adoption. Well, I introduced briefly Claire Davis and and Jennifer Travis, but just to give a little bit of more background, Claire has been with us here at Lifeline and on our team since 2009. She, like I said, leads our domestic adoption team out of the Birmingham office. She's originally from the DFW Metroplex, but came to Sanford University and has stayed in Birmingham ever since with her husband, Joel. They also have three precious boys, Isaiah, Nico, and Benji, uh, two of which they brought home through adoption. Also, her uh, favorite thing about Lifeline is meeting new families and hearing about how the Lord led them to adopt. She is a TBRI, Trust-Based Relational Intervention Practitioner through the Karen Purvis Institute for Child Development at TCU, Texas Christian University. And then Jennifer Travis and I go way back to Tuscaloosa. Uh, Her older brother and I were good friends, and I've known Jennifer since she was knee-high to a grasshopper. Uh, She has a bachelor's in social work from the University of Alabama and a master's in social work from Tulane University. She joined our team in 2014 after a decade of work in foster care up in uh, the Midwest, the upper Midwest. 
Uh, she also became a TBRI practitioner in 2017, and in 2021, she earned her TIPS training certification through the Alabama State Department of Human Resources, which allows her not only to partner with Alabama DHR, but allows her to help train social workers and foster parents who are going through the licensing process. And the thing I love about Jennifer is not only is she a great practitioner, but she's doing that from a biblical worldview. She's passionate about advocating and caring for the vulnerable, and she and her husband, John, have two children um, and uh, have been foster parents for for many, many years. So, so excited to be able to talk about milestones and adoptions from these ladies. And and even as we start, they both want to come back and say, hey, we've never been adopted. So we're giving you from adopted moms, from practitioners, but not from the adopted child's standpoint. We do have an adoptee that we're going to hear from later. But today we really want to hear about what does it look like to, 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 what does that mean? And what does it look like to to celebrate those milestones of adoption. And of course, this is the time of the podcast that you have known to look forward to. You, you love to hear the venerable Dr. Rick, to hear that silky smooth voice come across your podcast platform. Dr. Rick, I know this is something you're very passionate about. It really is. Silky smooth makes me want to clear my throat right now. <laughs> I feel like, you know, in that, in that, right? So I no, it really is. This is this is uh I've I've been really excited about the opportunity to to be able to, you know, talk about this because I I think um this naturally talking about milestones leads us into a conversation about the complexity of adoption and the fact that that there are there are things about the journey that we're on and our kids are on uh, because we've built our families through adoption that are that are just different and and part of the invitation to being a part of adoption is is also to acknowledge that complexity and embrace it and learn from it and all of that and so we just kind of want to dig in and and talk a little bit about um maybe the way we think differently about milestones, but maybe the first way to get there um, is to define, <laughs> you know, what we're talking about specifically in milestones and, and, and think about that particularly in the context of adoption. And so uh, Claire, you can come at that from both the perspective of an adopted mom and also as a clinician and uh, a professional. And so, uh, you know, maybe kind of unpack that for us. What are we talking about when we talk about milestones? Sure. In my works, in my work at Lifeline and as an adoptive parent, I, um, I, yeah, I've definitely seen how some milestones just hit a little bit different mm. in the lives of, of adoptees. Um, I, I think that this can come in big moments of celebration and accomplishment. I think it can come in really sad times of, of loss or, or disruption or transition, it can even come in like the most ordinary things that happen in the day-to-day -day life that nobody else thinks anything of, mm -hmm. but that it just hits different for the adoptee. Um, so just some examples that that kind of come to mind as I think through, there's, there's some really ordinary things. There's going to be things like um, going to school. There's going to be things like going to the doctor um, that, that can hit different, that mm -hmm. kind of like it creates this different experience and this different thought process that that our kids through adoption are going to experience. And then there's, of, of course, like the, the bigger things like the celebrations, the, the weddings, the becoming a parent themselves, um, celebrating, you know, winning a football game or, um, or even holidays that, that 
that are, are can be milestones mm-hmm. in a different way mm-hmm. for the adoptee. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I think I was surprised about is is the fact that we just we assume kind of a natural rhythm to life. And, you know, and so we think of milestones in terms of like, you know, your child, you know, takes their first steps or, you know, they they achieve something or there's that moment that we kind of, you know, take the pictures of and put up on the wall and, and all that. And I think what I what I didn't expect was one that those things are not always met with the kind of joy or the kind of, you know, like they're different because they're they're layered. And so sometimes we, you know, we evoke an emotion um, and, and we see something in our kids that's really kind of unexpected in in those kind of high spot you know, things that you sort of dream about as a parent having. I think the other thing, and you said it really well, is is the fact that there's a, like sometimes you it just comes out of left field mm-hmm. um, and you don't necessarily, you know, you, you don't, you can't predict it necessarily. Um, and like those milestones that we're used to looking for, we, we kind of don't, we kind of don't understand, but, but I think that's also maybe where we're invited a little bit to be, kind of detectives with our kids and and to be watchful of those things that may be it, it may be a milestone for them but it may not be a predictable milestone for everyone right yeah and i think even to back up on that too dr rick we've got to remember that for the children that aren't coming into our home through adoption there are natural milestones that are difficult right it can be just exacerbated mm-hmm. when you have a child that's also dealing with who am I and some of the other that's things right. and the milestones of adoption. So don't throw out the normal milestones, but actually even realize some of those milestones are going to to bring a greater complexity. But but Jennifer, I'd love to hear you say, because you've walked through this a lot. You do a great job with our education, with our training, mm-hmm. training our staff, training our foster parents, our families. Talk about just the best way that a parent can support their children as they're walking through these milestones. Sure. Uh, I think one of the ways that we try to talk about a lot and equip families Mm -hmm. to do with their kids is bring it up. Mm -hmm. Be there and be available without your cell phone, but being there and available for your (laughs) child regularly and not just, you know, once every six months, but regularly throughout Mm -hmm. the week. And if you know, or you're prompted by the Lord or by maybe what you're seeing in your child saying to your child, hey, I was thinking today about your birth mom and just wondered if you'd been thinking about her or if we know we're getting to maybe a birthday or maybe first day of school, Mm -hmm. even just bringing up, you know, I wonder what, you know, you would love to be able to share with your first family if you mm-hmm. had the chance. Do we want to maybe write that out together? Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of times for kids that have been adopted, their adoption day has a lot mm-hmm. of that mix. It's, it's an exciting day and it's a celebratory day for what the Lord has done, but it can also be a day where they think a lot about their first family and they're a lot about mm-hmm. maybe what's going on there or who they are. And so even helping them have a an experiential way, if you will, to recognize that and to maybe write out their feelings and release a balloon Mm. on that day to help them know it's okay to come to you to commemorate Mm -hmm. and to talk through what's going on and that they need you to bring it up, not just them bringing it up as well. Yeah. And I think the important thing too, and I'll ask you, do you agree? And how can a family do, do this, right? If your child is mentioning this or you're seeing it, I think so many times as parents, we address it in the moment and then we kind of compartmentalize it. 
But to remember that if they, if your child who's coming to your home through adoption is expressing something, that's not a one-off thing for them. Mm -hmm. And that's something you need to really be leaning in and taking those cues. Yeah, absolutely. I would say a lot of times if they are bringing it up to you, they've been probably thinking about it and wrestling with it for a long time. And so coming back to them, maybe having that initial conversation when they bring it up and even a few days later or, you know, a week later, even watching your child, but then being able to say like, hey, I've been thinking more about what you said to me mm. that day. What do you think about us talking about it a little bit more? Let, let's go for a walk and let's just have some side to side time where we can mm. talk through maybe more of your thoughts or your feelings about that. And, you know, Jennifer, I wanted to just kind of follow up. And because one of the things you said there early in, you talked about like putting your phone down, right? And and I think the ministry of presence is really important in this. Um, we talk a lot in our preparation of adoptive families, particularly our, our, our domestic families about um, like our, our own grief, <laughs> like our, our own stuff. And I think, I think one of those things that, that I don't want us to run past this without, you know, without acknowledging is that we sometimes can avoid having those conversations with our kids because, because we don't want to talk about it mm -hmm. because it hurts us mm -hmm. or, or we feel uncertain about it or we feel scared. And, and so I'd, I'd love for you just to kind of unpack that a little bit and, and say like, what, what, what do we need to be working on with us in order to be able to be available um, to our kids when those things happen? Cause sometimes they, you know, when, when, when they bring it up or sometimes even when you tease it out, it's, it's like a lightning bolt <laughs> when you actually hear it and, and can really kind of evoke some things where, where you're trying to insulate yourself and kind of hide a little bit. Yeah. 100%. I think a lot of the adoption journey, while beautiful and of the Lord does also carry with it a lot of grief on yeah. every, every side. And so I do think one of the things that Herbie even brought up of, you know, when you address it initially, some of that addressing may be maybe less than stellar or less than everything you want to communicate because you've been triggered or because mm -hmm. there's grief for you. And so that going back and that mm -hmm. saying, Hey, can we talk a little more? Hey, can we, can we think about this a little more? Or I want to give some more input to what you were bringing mm -hmm. to me. And then on our own, when we're not with our kids walking right. with the Lord and just crying out to him in yeah. our grief, the Lord knows it hurts. Yeah. He knows all facets of what we are facing and what we're going through when these kind of things happen. So being able to pour out to him, to your spouse, to another trusted friend, as you're walking this, I think sometimes we like to think, okay, once this happens, once we adopt, everybody's going to be excited. We're all going to be happy. We're all going to walk forward. And that's just not the reality of our world. And that's not the reality of brokenness. And so giving ourselves grace, even if we feel like, Ooh, I did not handle that conversation as beautifully as I want to. Our kids give us lots of grace. And I think sometimes we need to do that for ourselves yeah. as well, first and regularly as we're having these conversations and as we're triggered and as we're hurt by what's being said. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, sometimes we're our own worst critics yes. and, and, you know, really kind of overthink it sometimes uh, in that way. And yeah, I would also say that the way that we, you know, the way that we've experienced some of those traumas and hard things in our life, that 
that definitely impacts how we parent. And we, we want to give families tools to kind of work through that. And, but also knowing that that's a spectrum, it's a long road. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's going to be fully resolved and you're going to be doing it perfectly. But I think Jennifer, you said that there's grace and there's re we ask our kids to do redos. We can do redos sometimes <laughs> too. Um, but I, I also love that just highlighting that, we can come back to this conversation because this is a safe place to have this conversation that that I welcome it when my kids confide in me some of the hard things that, mm-hmm. that they're, they're dealing with or maybe wrestling with in their brain. I don't want them to do that by themselves. I want them to come to me. Mm. And even though even though it might be hard and maybe I don't know all the answers all the time, I want them to feel welcome and so safe to to share it with me so that I can be with them in that. I can't fix it, um, but I can be with them. And I, I've heard I've heard child adoptees all the way to adult adoptees talk about this missing piece. And so um, because maybe they don't know their birth parents or don't know all, all of the pieces to their story. And um, so, again, I don't have that piece. I don't have that information all of the time, but that missing piece isn't going to go away. Um, so I need to I need to be there helping them process that because, you know, shoving it under the rug, it's, it's, it's still there. It's, it's, Mm. it's going to come out at some Mm. point. And so um, just helping them kind of work through that and talk through that in a safe spot. It's interesting too, because Dr. Rick and I were just actually with an adult adoptee and he was actually looking at stereotypes and saying, well, I break the mold because I had these feelings and these desires, but I know (laughs) probably y'all found most most male adoptees don't have those feelings. And we're like, yeah, no, but they just process them differently. And I think that's the thing too. Families don't need to think, Hey, I have a female child. They're going to process things this way. Or I have a male child. They're going to process things this way. I mean, you've got three boys in your home, Claire, and you know, they process things completely different. And it's not always along the stereotypes that we build in our mind. And so I think families also don't need to put their child in a Mm -hmm. box or to say, well, they're not dealing with this because mm-hmm. some are stuffers and some are out in the open and, and they need to be open to that. So I'm going to now dig into something that triggers me. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Claire, we're going to talk about the dreaded milestone in school mm-hmm. of having the family tree assignment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like when we talk about developmental grieving and <laughs> grief and all that sort of stuff with our domestic families, this is the example that I use every time, mm-hmm. because if there's anything that has caused me to, to like want to lose my stuff on somebody at school, it's been the family tree mm-hmm. um, and, and like the whole genetics thing at school and the way that it's handled for, for kids that, you know, like that's, that's a really multi-layered kind of potentially difficult thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so let's, let's have, you know, just a moment and kind of talk about yeah. one of those, it, like this is, we don't have to go searching for this one. We know it's going to yeah. come at some point and it's going to be there. And, and for parents, if you haven't, if you're a parent through adoption and you haven't had to deal with this yet, you're going to at some point. And so Claire, give us some counsel. What, you know, how do we, how do we approach handling that well with our kids? Well, okay. So I think of a couple things when this comes up. So first I think about, um, the experience that my child is going to have. So just laying it out, what, 
what's coming. And and again, not an adoptee, so I, I can't run the gamut on every every emotion or every mm-hmm. feeling that might come up. But I know that this highlights um, what where they may already feel different. So there's mm-hmm. there's differences that they're perceiving, especially at you know developmentally in school age, they're noticing differences. Not to mention if they're a transracial adoptee, um, I think that that highlights mm-hmm. some of those feelings of being different even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it's it's yeah, you're you're putting it out there like on this poster board or whatever PowerPoint of um of of your your history, and it's just in your face of I don't know all of my history. I know my I've got a lot of access to my adoptive family and to to our our history through adoption, but I have this whole other family tree out there that is just like mystery question mark blanks. Um I don't I don't I don't know what is involved in that. And and you know, I think a lot of people can think, well, we'll fill it out for your adoptive family and that's fine <sighs> and that's what you got to do sometimes. Mm. But that doesn't mean that our kids are not sitting there thinking about all that is not a part of this family tree. And so this is a, a what I, what could be a trigger. This could be a really tough assignment that feels really fun and everybody else is having a great time with it, but it could be um, a really deep moment of grief and of feeling different. And again, remembering not just the missing piece, but the missing pieces. Um, and, and then I think as a parent, come how how do so second part is how what do we do with that how do we mm-hmm. help our kids think through this or maybe even pave the way a little bit depending on you know when where our like how young our kids are if if we're um if we're going to be in, intervening as mm-hmm. far as conversations with the teachers um ahead of time or during or if we're going to like empower our kids to to have that conversation themselves but um, I, one thing that I, uh, I do with my kids permission, well, they're older now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm, I'm at the stage where I'm empowering them to have those conversations, sure. but when they were younger, I, I did talk to my kids, teachers mm-hmm. ahead of time and try to say like, Hey, what do we, what do we got planned? How is this going to impact their experience in kindergarten mm-hmm. or in first grade? And how can we kind of get ahead of that? And how can we make this inclusive for them mm-hmm. and not make it a, a trauma moment mm-hmm. for, um, but then also kind of, you know, working at another opportunity, like Jennifer was talking about, to be with our kids. We can't escape it. It's there's there's like what if we escape it in kindergarten because mom and dad intervene and handle right. form, it's still coming. It's going to be there in first grade. That's right. Yeah. Um, and so just like, again, just being there with them, filling it out with them, answering the questions that you can answer and working with them through that. My my children through international adoption, you know, there's not a ton of information. I, I, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. will have that experience. But, man, we go through every document that we have whenever we need to and we mm-hmm. read the same things. And maybe we like read a new name or a new phrase or something that makes us feel like we're gathering more information. Mm-hmm. Um, but just again, like I can't fix it. Um, y'all may hear a theme. (laughs) Um, I can't fix it, but I can process it and I can make it a safe and open place for us to, to talk about the loss and talk about the missing piece. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the, one of the things that I, I think is we've, you know, walked through that with kids that are now adults and, you know, kind of span the gamut of it, um, is, you know, 
you say that about kind of reviewing the documents and reading over all the things. And I think there's a there is a developmental aspect to that as well. I think different things land at different times mm-hmm. about about pieces of our, our kids stories. And so I think things that have been right there that we've said and rehearsed and talked about um, it, it sometimes get, gets heard differently because of the the stage of life and you know and their kind of even their development of their own self-perception and and so i think that's a you know that's a big deal i think also we have we've learned that um we want to be really proactive in those conversations with teachers and so that was kind of like you know open house kind of conversation hey like we just we know this is coming so let's let's all let's let's just all be on the same page that we know that this you know this is coming it's petition potentially going to be difficult. I think um, it, it's also it, it provided a way for our kids to to be able to talk about their adoption in their comfort mm-hmm. to make it make their peers comfortable mm. and to give them words and to give them concepts. And so rather than, you know, hoping that their their peers were learning those things by osmosis, mm. it really kind of put our kids in a position of, I don't want to say power, but like in a position of, of authority and kind of gave them you know, uh, an ability to say, no, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you something Control about this. Yeah. 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 And, and I think that's, that's, you know, we, we talk about uh, empowering principles and about things we want to do to empower our kids, um, you know, in, in TBRI and other things. I think that's a really, that's a really potentially empowering moment. Yeah. I, I would also say something that Claire said that I think is so important. And I think for parents, especially who are fostering or who have experienced adoption. This isn't just for you. This is for any parent. Sometimes the trap we get into as parents is trying to fix our kids' problems. We're, we're constantly trying to fix things to the point that we're raising a generation who doesn't know how to problem solve, who, who, who doesn't know how to accept loss and grief. I think one of the best things that we can do is as opposed to trying to fix it or find the solution is literally sit there with them mm-hmm. and say, it's okay. You know, it hurts, mm-hmm. but it, it is loss mm-hmm. and acknowledge what it is and and be forthright and say, I don't know the answer. And there really isn't an answer sometimes. And it's OK, you know, and uh, I think that can be very healthy. And again, that's not just for adopting foster. That, that's just parenting 101, because I think so many times we do we go to the how do we fix this issue? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, Jennifer, I, I'd love going from that because this really kind of goes into it from the family tree to the the holidays and notable days during the year. Talk to us about how Mother's Day and Father's Day can sometimes be difficult for that child brought home through adoption. Uh, and how can parents and loved ones be there for their child when those are difficult days? Great question. I, I do think that Mother's Day and Father's Day can add those layers again, Mm -hmm. those complications like we've been talking about of how to honor both or how to hold in tandem my parents and then also my first family. And what that looks like for every kid may be different, like you were saying, Rick, Mm -hmm. developmentally, what they're facing and what they're able to process at that time. But for a lot of our children, Mother's Day can can really trigger a lot, can trigger a lot of that confusion. Or if, if they haven't maybe been as forthright in talking about how they're handling things, that can be just kind of a big surprise 
for them when they get there. And two, a lot of times, especially probably more Mother's Day than Father's Day. Sorry, fellas. It's very <laughs> promoted. It's very commercialized. There's five. We're, we're used to. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> There's five million commercials, right. right? About get this for mom, do this for mom. At school, we do projects for Mother's Day. And a lot of times that can, again, make our kids feel like, but I have two. Or how do I honor that that tension mm -hmm. of not not ever wanting to yeah. hurt feelings. Our kids are very, very perceptive to their parents' feelings and how they might react and respond, but also still knowing I have this missing piece or have this need that I want to recognize as well. And again, kind of what we've been talking about, we can get ahead of that. We can start talking with our kiddos ahead mm -hmm. of time. We can do things that maybe we ha don't have any contact with first family. And so there's different ways to to honor or to commemorate or to still celebrate or if we do have the ability to send a, a letter in the mail or to send a drawing or to send a um, message if we have, depending on our level of contact, that might help our child mm -hmm. in processing all the things they're feeling and, and just what a beautiful gift our, their first families gave them in choosing life and in honoring the Lord in that decision and in making adoption plans, if that's part of their story, or in being able to take those steps. So there's a lot of ways that we can come in and try to come alongside, try to sit with our kiddos in that grief, but then also give them some tangible ways to to process that mm -hmm. as, they're, as they're grieving and as they're recognizing that, hey, this might impact me a little bit more than I thought it did kind of a thing. So Jennifer, my, my boys so have, you know, three boys and they're not so much into the arts and crafts. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and, I, but what I found just so, like a, just a really simple, um, way to apply this maybe for some boys who don't, who don't do the arts and crafts, um, would, would be just on Mother's Day on um, my boys run track. And so when they have a good, a good meet or something like that, when there's this really exciting um, celebration time or milestone, I, I usually will just bring up birth mom and I'll just say, oh, your birth mom would be so proud of yes. you. Um, man, she like, wow, I'm so proud of you. I know she would be so proud of you. And um, I, sometimes they just it just rolls right along <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing else to be done with that mm -hmm. but but sometimes it does open the door for conversation you think so mom why do you think she would be proud of me and just kind of I don't you know I don't know I, I mm. probably can't take the conversation too much further than that to be honest but what I hope it does is it that it honors their their birth parents and helps mm -hmm. them see me honoring them and helps them honor them and um and again just feel feel like this is a safe place to to talk or to maybe one day make an arts and crafts project. <laughs> True. I mean, and some of our some of our kids are, I think Herbie said it earlier, stuffers. They're not going to uh, come out uh, with yeah, it. That's right. And so sometimes I've even heard of families that will take one of the little candles that is battery operated and give that to the child mm -hmm. to say, like, if you need to talk or if you are feeling yeah. like I'm struggling, this is yours. You put it out here and I will know like to come find you and sit with you, or I will know that means we're having a hard time and want to talk, but yeah. we can't do it. Yeah. And so figuring out what your child needs, not everybody likes arts and crafts. Not everybody's going to like a battery operated candle, uh, mm -hmm. but working with them to find the way that helps them see 
mom and dad are supporting me in whatever this mess may look like. Mm-hmm. And if it's a two hour meltdown and we sit there with them for the two hour meltdown and then just hold them while they fall asleep, whatever age mm-hmm. they are. I mean, I found mm-hmm. with fostering kiddos, we've had zero to 17. And sometimes that big 17 year old just needs you to sit there mm-hmm. while yeah. they cry <laughs> and right. let them let them get through mm-hmm. that grief and know that you're still there and that that hasn't scared you away. And talking about grief, you know, there are things that then can trigger even some of that grief or some of those things that you feel like you've dealt with, um, you know, like the loss of a loved one or, you know, even loss of maybe a family pet or Mm. just any type of loss. Maybe it's a new school. Maybe it's graduating from elementary school and now going to middle school. There's a loss of that normal that can also trigger that grief, that loss, that abandonment. How how can how can families be ready and how can they help their child walk through some of those things? I, I love this question. Um, I think that it really hits on that complexity when our child has had the bravery and the courage to attach to someone mm-hmm. and then they have now lost that person. We know that's a part of life. We know mm-hmm. that's a part of brokenness and it hurts <laughs> and it hurts us in Mm. different ways than it hurts our child. But when our child has had that bravery and that courage to do that, there's, I think, an even deeper feeling of, oh, no, I put my heart out again. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have done that. I should have stayed closed off. If if our kids have that inner working model of maybe not being worthy of love or Mm -hmm. not being Mm -hmm. worthy of acceptance, and then they lose a person that Mm -hmm. they really felt like loved them, that can bring that all back to the surface of, I was right. I shouldn't have ever put myself out there. I was right. I can't trust. I was right. And so we've got to kind of work ahead and get ahead of those thoughts and feelings, Mm -hmm. talking with them when we're not losing anybody, walking with them when it is maybe what we might consider a smaller loss. In their heads, it's not. But what we might know, losing maybe a pet or losing if a best friend moves to another state is a different loss than losing one of their closest, maybe Mm -hmm. relatives or something like that. But it's still some way that we can start walking them through their identity in Christ Mm -hmm. and how that's not defined by who loves them or who's in their life or who's hanging around, but that the Lord can redefine maybe those lies Mm -hmm. that, that they've believed and that honestly, sometimes we even believe without maybe all the trauma in our Mm -hmm. histories and walking them through how the Lord frames that and how the Lord looks at that and why that love was still good, even if we have now lost a person. Mm-hmm. I think it's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really hard, but I think it's um, a worthy cause for mm-hmm. us to walk into with our kids. Well, it's keep it, it ultimately, you know, Jennifer, you're, it's keeping our eye on the ball of, of what, of what we're really <laughs> given the blessing of our kids for, which is to, point them to Jesus Mm -hmm. and to take all of the pieces of their story, our story, like that's, that's the journey for all of us is, is, you know, is, is, is trying to find and trying to make meaning in our lives, not because, not because our stories have meaning, but because we're ultimately, you know, like pursuing Jesus Mm -hmm. and moving toward, you know, toward Christ. And, and I think, you know, we can't, we can't have a a discussion like this and we can't spend time on a podcast like this and fail to acknowledge that, Mm 
Hmm. Um, that the 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 big deal here is 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 the discipleship of our kids and the fact that our kids are you know are are are, are on a road to know and, and to follow Jesus and so you know Claire um, just briefly like how because I know we we could like literally do an entire podcast hmm. on this we do we do like entire sessions on this in our adoption preparation but but how. How does how can we help our child to reconcile their story with, as as we say it in Rooted in Love, the story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really point them toward the gospel? Yeah, this is the biggest milestone that we could possibly talk about <laughs> in our kids life. Um, so my my two oldest boys, um, 14 and 12 are their ages. Um, this past Easter came to um, to know Jesus as their yeah, Savior. That's awesome. And um, so this is, <laughs> yes, it's really like so fresh and um, it'll, you know, be something we celebrate for the rest of their lives. But um, certainly I'm still, in, mm-hmm. you know, just enjoying that that memory of walking them through yeah. that. Um, through that decision. But um, it's really interesting, Rick, because um, my um, one of my sons, um, you know, Herbie mentioned everybody's got different personalities. My boys absolutely have different personalities. (laughs) One is very much in touch with his feelings and very willing Mm. to share his feelings. Um, And uh, so he was able to really share with me a part of his um, decision and just acknowledgement that this world is so broken and there's so much pain here and there's so much sin here is um, because of his young 12 year old self understands grief and loss and trauma Mm -hmm. in uh, a way that many of us never will. Um, And, and so while my heart is incredibly broken that um, that my son, who I love with everything in me and would take every ounce of pain I could away mm-hmm. from him. Um, I'm also like I'm so thankful that um, the Lord found any way to to draw him mm-hmm. uh, to draw my son to himself. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, yeah, like I, I think that that our kids through adoption, our, our adoptees, um, you know, they, they really, they really see that. They really see the loss and brokenness Mm -hmm. in this world. And it's really unfortunate that they see that at such a young age. But um, again, the Lord is working in really mysterious, but beautiful ways through Mm -hmm. the pain. Um, And so, yeah, so that's something that, that, that is a milestone that, that really stands out to me that um, I know a lot of these can be, can be really tough and not that this one was without its pain, but um, certainly also a huge celebration Mm -hmm. in my, in my kid's life and a really neat part of their story. Yeah. I mean, I think um, that is the, like, that's the thing that, that we like it is it's the milestone mm-hmm. it's the thing yep. and and i but but i think our you know helping our kids to um to to be able to see their story um not as a fairy tale mm-hmm. <laughs> but but as but as a but as a story of you know god's protection and a story of of you know of, of god's hand on them in even through um, you know, the hard and the difficult. And I think that is, that is ultimately something that's true of all of us. Right. 
that we, you know, we see the fact that, um, that, you know, the, the, what's the, what's the old saying? The, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, mm-hmm. right? Like we, um, and, and so I, I love that we get to end there today mm-hmm. um, and that we get to put the focus where it really belongs, because even in the midst of all of the the tough, in the midst of even the unexplainable, what we know we have is is we have um, God's presence and, and God's spirit. And, uh, and 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 we are we are held up and carried along in that way. And so, ladies, I, I appreciate your um, coming. We, we need to do this again. There's a lot more to unpack. There's a lot more to talk about. We're looking forward to um, to hearing from Catherine as well and, and, and being able to hear uh, an adult adoptee talk through these same things as well. And I think that's an important perspective. But um, but 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 let's end where we, you know, kind of where we started and, and say that the perspective that 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 matters most in all this is the the perspective that we are completely wholly dependent upon Jesus um, as we walk through this with our kids. And so uh, we will, we will continue to pray and to walk and to step and to try to do that next right thing uh, in light of the gospel. And we're thankful that you have joined us again on the defender podcast. Uh, We will be here right back here um, next week with another episode. And and we look forward uh, to the opportunity to unpack uh, more about how the Lord calls us into adoption and in caring for vulnerable children, vulnerable families. Thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Podcast to make it easier for more people to find. For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit herbienewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.